You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Okay, let's dive into the Word of the Lord here in John chapter 3, looking at the story of Nicodemus and Jesus encountering Nicodemus again. John chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I, have, if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everybody. We're continuing with Nicodemus, and I'm going to just really try to pick up right where we left off um, last Sunday um, with the story of Nicodemus and, uh, and continue through with just some things that I want to share with you uh, from my heart this morning. I'm really talking to the church today. This is not a, a message that is being geared to sinners, people walking in deep darkness, even though it's a, a sermon about being born again. That is not who we're talking to specifically today, but it really is God's people. It's people who have uh, sought to follow God, uh, who have declared intentions towards God, who have lived lives in some religious form or whatever. Um, we're talking to those kinds of people. We're talking to you and I who maybe we know Jesus, but we've been relying on things outside of Christ to feel as though we are saved or even born again, as, as we say, okay? Uh, so this is really a, a message to the church. I, I find so many times that I get to places in my walk with God where I begin to depend on myself more than I depend on God or, or more than I depend on the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I fall into that. It's, it's an entrapment, if you will, really, uh, but I begin to live as though I am sufficient. You know, I begin to live out of my own strength. I, I begin to live out of my own abilities, if you will. Not that I have that much strength or that I have such great abilities, but I live out of what I have. I live out of my own resources oftentimes and fail to, to be dependent upon God and even fail to acknowledge dependence on God. And sometimes God gives us moments or situations where we realize that, where we realize that, oh my goodness, I'm weak. Um, I'm, I'm not strong. I'm not. I can't do things in my own. And I don't know about you, but when I find myself in those places, it bothers me. 
you know, it, it messes with me. It messes with my head a lot, all right? And um, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that right now, for some reason, my head is being messed with, and I feel very weak today. Um, and I say that to you not to excuse myself from anything, but to say to you that I understand at, at some moments in time, and God brings me to that place, to realize that in and of myself, I cannot do anything. And I'll tell you that as your pastors, Dave and I both know this. We understand that if there is going to be ministry in Life Church, and if God's word is going to be proclaimed, and if we're going to be able to pastor you um, as the shepherds entrusted to do so, it is not going to come out of us. It is only going to come out of the Spirit of God. It is only going to come out of total dependence upon Him. So will you just pray with me for a moment that we can... We can do that today, that I can preach to you, that it'll make a little bit of sense to you today, um, and that God will strengthen me in the process of doing that, please. Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, declaring to you that none of us are capable or in any way have the strength to save ourselves or to do what you have called us to do in the kingdom. We are utterly and completely and totally dependent upon you. And so, God, we ask you for your help today. We ask you for the strength to do what must be done. We ask you for the understanding and the revelation that is necessary to see ourselves rightly. We ask you for the glorious revelation of your son, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. And so we give this time to you, and we declare that you have lordship and authority over this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's begin where we left off last Sunday. I talked to you about really how tragic it is that that oftentimes down through the ages, even to this very present day, there are men and women who are Nicodemuses. They are people who have great respect for Jesus. They really admire him. And yet, whether it's fear or some other reason, they find themselves unable to step out of the, the, the darkness and into the light and really identify with Jesus. And so it is that as this chapter that we're reading here in the Gospel of John unfolds, we see Nicodemus as one of those kinds of people who is sort of in the dark, even coming in the dark of night to approach Jesus, to ask him these questions that are perplexing him at this time. And we see further down that the reality is that even as, as John writes, and I believe there's a deep sense of sorrow as John writes these words and, and as Jesus speaks to us out of, out of John, that um, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. That's Christ. And people love darkness rather than light. And I think that's the dilemma that we see in this particular passage in this story that as, as much as we would want to love Jesus, oftentimes there are things that we love more. And anything that is not in Christ is darkness. And it draws us into that place of darkness. 
And so we find ourselves identifying with this man, Nicodemus, like wondering, why, what will it take for me to be saved? And, and, and realizing at some point, there has to be a moment in time where the light exposes the darkness for all of us, no matter who we are or what kind of life we've lived. The intent of God by His Spirit is to lead us into the light. And that really is the intent of Life Church, is to bring you and I into a place of light so that light exposes the darkness within our hearts. Every day, every Sunday, every time we pray, when we worship, through the preaching, just in relationship and community and accountability, there's this sense of constantly being drawn into the light, and it exposes our hearts and exposes the darkness and exposes our present level of deception. And that is the intent and the work of the Holy Spirit constantly is to bring truth in those places where we are deceived. And so as this man begins to ask these questions of Jesus, we see Jesus coming to him and, and immediately going right to the heart, right, right to that place, if you will, of his heart, of the condition of his heart. You see, Jesus wasn't interested just in the questions that, that Nicodemus had for him, but he was more interested in the condition of his heart and even exposing that. And so it's important for you and I that when we are confronted by the, the truth, when we are confronted by God's word, that we understand that God's intent is to expose our hearts not only to the Lord, not only to the light or through the light, but God's intent always is for you and I to look at ourselves honestly. That you and I are always willing to let the light shine on the condition of our own hearts. And so constantly God is coming back again and again and again to a heart issue if you will. And I think this is important for you and I that, that we look at this constantly, not just in a sermon that I preach to you or, or a two-part sermon that I give to you, but that we are constantly all the time looking at this thing, all right? To really understand, I think, what is happening here with Nicodemus and why Jesus is so pointed and why he is going in so directly, I think you need to, to, to really be able to, to look back just a little bit. If you go back into chapter 2, at the very end of the chapter... It says that when Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, that there were many people who believed in his name. This is right at the bottom of the chapter, all right? And it says they believed in his name because they saw the many signs, the miracles, the, the wonders uh, that he was doing. But then there's an interesting commentary there. It says, but Jesus, on his part, like from his place, he did not entrust himself to them. He, not, he didn't give himself to them because... He knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. In other words, he knew man's heart. He understood the condition of man's heart. And then immediately we come to this passage in, in, in chapter 3, and it says, there was a man. In our language, a lot of times in, in the English, we would not say it that way. We would not say, there was a man, he was a Pharisee, his name was Nicodemus, all right? I, if someone came into the church, I would not say, there is a man, his name is David, 
He's the pastor. I would just say, this is Pastor Dave. That's the way I would say it. But John says it this way. There is a man. His name is Nicodemus. He's, he's a Pharisee. Right? There's this sense here that John is conveying that I believe that Jesus comes to Nicodemus looking into his heart, knowing full well that that is where he's going. He doesn't, he doesn't back up. He doesn't shorten it or soften it in any way. He goes right in and he says, Nicodemus, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. This is important. In, in the old King James, it says, verily, verily. Remember those words? You know, I, I remember hearing pastors say, read, read from the King James. And every time it would say, verily, verily, the pastor would, would come out from behind the pulpit and say, now that means, that's like a, a, a double alert. That means you need to really listen to this because this is really important. And, and so Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you got to get this. You got to understand something, buddy. You got to be born again. And, and old Nicodemus is still in his old mindset. He's in that place, as we talked about last Sunday. And so he, 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 he brings it to a question. Like, like, it's almost like, okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's debate that. Now, you can't go back and be born again. Like, you can't go back in your mom's womb and, and come out and be born again. So uh, I, I know you're from God, and, and I know God is using you to say some important things because he's using you to do miraculous things, and we all see that. But now, now you've got to explain this to me. And, and Jesus comes right back and says, I'm telling you, 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 you got to come over here with me into the Spirit now, and you got to see that you've got to be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, all those things that you've put your trust and your confidence and your hope in, they're not going to do it for you. And I wonder how many times we as God's people do that same thing, you know? And so if you weren't here last Sunday, you didn't hear that in, in depth and in detail, but but that's kind of one of the driving points here in this encounter is the reality that you cannot save yourself. And if you've been working hard to do that, today I want to free you up. I want you to be set free from that. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, I contributed nothing to my birth. I contribute nothing to my being born again. Now, we, we must believe, we must confess but the work of salvation, the effort is already done through Christ. So you can't make it happen. You can only believe in what has happened. And by believing, you receive that work unto you personally. All right? You, you can't save anyone else. No one else can save you. Jesus has done it. I remember when I was working in retail many, many years ago, there were, there were two guys that came into the church, and they were the most unique men. One of them was the biggest man that I've ever seen in my life, I believe, literally, that I had physically ever seen. He was so tall, and honestly, he was half the width that he was tall. He was just a big, big guy. And the, the other guy uh, was very tiny, like a, a, a petite little man, all right? And so they looked very odd together, and, and they worked in advertising. One was radio and one was newspaper. And they actually went around together doing ads for retail businesses. I worked for JCPenney. And so I took care of a lot of the ads for the, the, the area JCPenney's, you know. So these guys would come to me. 
And they, they came to church. One of them found the Lord. He started talking to the other one, happened to be the big guy. The big, the big guy fell first. All right? And he's just, he's on fire for God. And so on one occasion, they come walking into the store, and the big guy had such a resounding voice. He just, he just thundered, you know. And he goes, Bill! <laughs> the whole store could hear him. He goes, he goes, look at him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, look at him. And I go, okay, I'm looking. He goes, don't you see anything? I said, no, what? And he goes, I saved him. <laughs> I think I understood what he meant, you know. But everyone in the store in the back, is, they're just going, what is going on here? He goes, yeah, I saved him. <laughs> and I'm like, Reginald, you didn't save him. You led him to Jesus, right? That, tell me that that's what happened. You, you led him to Jesus, you know. And I'm like, Michael, you, you found the Lord, right? You found Jesus. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He, like, he put me down on my knees and <laughs> made me pray a prayer. I said, and, and we went through all of this. But Reg had it like, I did it. Like, I did this thing, you know, because Reg does everything. Reg is a big guy, and, and he's always proving that he's a big guy, and he's got to do it, and it's all about him. And so we had to, we had to go through some theological work there to, to help both of them just a little bit. But I say all that to say this, you know, you and I must know that there is no one on this earth that can save us. I remember a moment with my wife at one point, she won't mind me saying this to you at all, but I came into the kitchen and she was standing there with tears in her eyes and I said, what, what's wrong? And she goes, I just realized something. She goes, I'm sorry. She goes, I've been looking to you to be my Jesus, to be my Savior, to be my Messiah. I'm like, I'm living under you. Like, I'm living, like, I'm seeing your cover all wrong. And I'm sorry that I've done that. I know children who have said, well, I'm okay because my parents are Christians. There's so many ways we, we twist this thing up. And we need to be very, very careful about that. Because you and I are only saved by Christ alone and nothing else. And so Jesus, because he doesn't get it, Jesus begins to, to, to make this, this point again, but he shifts from this mystery of, of birth to the mystery of, of wind. And, and he says, you, you can hear the sound of the wind, all right, but you don't know where it's coming from or, or where it's going. And in both the, the Hebrew and the Greek, the same word can be used to mean wind and spirit, all right? And, and, and I'm going to tell you, no one can control the wind, and, and, and Jesus is trying to say to, to Nicodemus, you can't control how this thing is going to go. You can't rewrite the story. You, you can't make up your own words and, and your own epistle. You can't, you can't rewrite the scriptures. And so you got to be born of the Spirit. What he's really saying is you've got to let the Spirit do its work inside of you. Now, I don't think Jesus is at all trying in any way to say, hey, you just got to haphazardly let it go and just whatever happens, happens. No, he's not saying that kind of stuff at all. We can't control the wind. And Jesus is saying you can't control the Spirit. But you can allow the Spirit to come in and do its work in you 
and live within that work of the Spirit. You and I know, if you were out yesterday, you know that the wind can blow. And it can blow a lot of things around. All right. But this is talking about letting the Spirit of God blow into your life, letting the Spirit of God come in and not resisting the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit, but letting the Holy Spirit do the work that needs to be done. So what Jesus is inviting Nicodemus into is to allow the Spirit to do in him what needs to be done, what he can't do, even with the strictest of of obedience, even with the most valiant efforts that he could possibly do, there there is never a moment where he can achieve for himself what God can do for him. And you and I are the same. We meet another Pharisee in the New Testament, and he says it this way. This is what he wrote. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, just like Nicodemus. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. Oh, my. Yet whatever gain I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. Wow. More than that, he says, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Wow. The Apostle Paul could have, he could have boasted. He did kind of. (laughs) But he could have boasted. If anybody could have gotten it right, if anybody had perfection at the forefront, if anybody could have gotten saved based on their, their works and their accomplishments and their birthright and all of these kinds of things, it would have been Paul. And he says, but I can't do that. As a matter of fact, I've shifted I've I've moved away from that, and I no longer stand on that. I no longer hold my life on that. But what I do is I look back at all of that, and I say, it's worthless. Nothing I can do will save me except Jesus Christ. So I want to be found in him. The righteousness that is in me now, What you see in me now is through Christ and through faith in him alone and nothing else. In other words, I no longer live under the law. Folks, when when I talk to you about this, I'm not not saying that all your good works should just be thrown away. Please understand that, all right? I appreciate your accomplishments. 
I appreciate your good works. I appreciate all the things that you have done over a lifetime of loving God, loving Jesus, following Jesus, trying to be obedient, trying to take the law and to live it out in some way. But you and I are in a place where that law no longer has the power that it had over Nicodemus. And we can't live under that as the rule and thumb for our freedom. Jesus says, I came to give you life and to give you a life that is abundant. He also says, I didn't come to condemn you. All right? So I'm not advocating that you throw the law out the door. I'm simply saying that the law alone is not a place for you to live in or under and believe that you are saved by it. So let's just knock that performance piece out of the, out of the way and let's begin to live in the right tree, the tree of life. If you are only living under the knowledge of good and evil, you're living under a, a self-imposed law. And what I want you to understand today is that life in Christ allows you freedom, yes. But just as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus here, he speaks to us. And he says, this birth, this rebirthing that I'm talking about is out of heaven. It's not from the earth. It's not from current works. But it's born out of the Father and it's born out of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Through the cross, through the death and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, folks, you are saved and nothing else will do it. And so we live out of that tree of life. And the point that I want to make to you and I today is that when we live there, Jesus is saying it's like, it's like the wind. You can't really see the wind, but you can see the wind by its effects. And if you, I mean, we need to understand that if the Spirit is at work, we're going to see transformation. We're going to see a change. And that's what God is calling Nicodemus to, just as Paul was called to that. And this is what Paul is trying to say. He's saying, hey, this was how I lived, this is what I did. I did it out of this old system. But now Christ has come and the light has shone in the darkness over my life. Matter of fact, that light blinded him. But in blindness, he saw. And in seeing, he changed. And I believe that is the message for you and I today as well, is that we live out of that place in Christ, that he is calling Nicodemus to. You've got to see that this is a spiritual work, not an earthly work. And so we need to see change in our lives with one another. We need to see transformation coming about between us and around us and with us because that transformation is the the affidavit, if you will, the evidence that indeed there has been a work of Christ in us. This is why Paul can say, your works is not going to save you. They're not going to do that. But if you're saved, we're probably going to see some good works coming out of you. 
Because there's been a difference. There's been, there's been a shift. This, this thing has happened. And so as, as Jesus is speaking of rebirth, this, this rebirth which comes from above, it's, it's a work of God's Spirit. And, and God sovereignly does this work because it's from Him. It, it, it's from above. And, and this is what I would pose to you. You need that. Jesus said, I, I can go back to the Father because I came from the Father. And I would pose to you to think of it this way. It's like a round-trip ticket. And so before you and I can go to the Father, a work has to be done in us from the Father. And then we can go to be with the Father. It's always a round-trip ticket. And so Jesus came to do on earth what has been done in heaven so that you can join in this relationship and this family and this kingdom. And this is what Jesus is trying to say to Nicodemus. All the stuff you do doesn't get you on board. All right? It, it happens through this marvelous work of Jesus Christ. The story of the bronze serpent in, in Numbers 21 if you haven't ever read that, go back and, and read that in the Old Testament. But I think it foreshadows this salvation that I'm talking about, which God provides through the Son of Man, all right? The Israelites had been complaining against God. They were grumbling about, about their, their, their journey, um, and, and there was this apparent lack of food and, and water and, and all of that. So they're miserable. They're complaining. Um, they didn't like the manna that God was pro providing, and so they're grumbling about all of this. Um, and uh, so as they, they do, God sends this sort of fiery serpent kind of snakes among them, and many of those who were bitten by the serpents, they, they, they died. And so God provided a salvation for his disobedient Israel, if you read the story, all right, so that they might survive this divine judgment. And so he instructs Moses, and he says, you go and you make a bronze servant, uh, serpent, and, and you set it on a pole, if you will, all right? So he sets this big, tall pole up with this bronze serpent on it so that anyone who's bitten by the, the, the snakes... Uh, when they look up to the serpent there, that they can be healed. And that's precisely what happened. As people looked up at the serpent, they were healed. All who were bitten were healed when they looked up at the serpent. All right. Now, this is an Old Testament provision for Israel's healing, if you will, but it illustrates the salvation that God is about to accomplish through his son, his only son, if you will, Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus talks about here in this passage with Nicodemus. He says, just as the serpent was lifted up, all right? He says, I, God's son, will have to be lifted up, all right? So when the son of man is lifted up, he says, those who look upon him will be healed. They will be saved, if you will, all right? Now, the, the, this, this, the Israelites, these sort of like snake-bitten people, if you will, um, they were smitten for God, uh, from God because of, of their sin. Um, and they deserve to die because now they're away from God. But God makes a way through this bronze serpent. All right? And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, basically, even though you're born in the right family, in the right order, and you've done the right things, it's not enough. You've got to look to me. 
when I am lifted up, then you must look to me. I am providing the way. And I say to you that that is the message for you and I. You can put your nose to the grind. I believe that's a good thing to do. I think you should work, all right? I think you should make a living. I think you should, should accomplish things. I think you should be proud of your accomplishments and, and your works and what you do. I think you should be faithful. I think you should follow the scriptures and obey the, 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 the scriptures. I think you should live to the best of your ability in community with others, even though that is harder and more challenging a lot of times than going your own way. I think there's a lot of these things that need to happen. They need to be evident in our lives. And, and, and I'm going to say it. I believe if you are born again, they're going to be evident in your life on some level, at some magnitude. They're not going to save you. They're not going to save any of us. We look only to Jesus. We look only to the Son who is now lifted up for you and I. And it is this Christ, this Redeemer, if you will, that, that God has lifted up. He, he allowed him to come to this earth and to die so that you could be healed, so that you could be saved spiritually, if you will. And this is what gets brought out in verse 16, for this is the way God loved the world, this way. Now, I, I remember I used to read that, and I would say, okay, for God so loved the world. I remember, I remember the first time I actually, actually remembered it, you know, like I memorized it, you know, and I had to stand in front of the church and say it. Um, and, and I would get a badge for, for doing that, you know, and I remember that, that moment when I, I really knew that I remembered it. And so now I could stand up and say it, you know. And I remember standing there. I was wearing Buster Brown shorts and shirts. A lot of you millennials probably have no idea what Buster Brown shorts and shirts are, but the little old ladies in the middle do, all right, because they bought them for their kids, all right? You could go in any dry goods store in any little community, and there were Buster Brown clothes, all right? There was a pair of shorts, stretch shorts, and a shirt, and they matched, all right? And so even the kid could know which pair of shorts and which shirt they needed to wear because they were identical, all right? And you just didn't want on the first day of school in the first grade to have anybody else to have the same print as you in Buster Brown because everybody wore them. We were all the same, all right? I don't know why I told you all that, but <laughs> we, we must realize that this message isn't just about, well, God has a great love. And that's how I understood it. When I stood up in my Buster Browns, I said, for God so loved the world. And my heart was, God has such a big love for the world out there. And guess what I missed? That God had a love for me. That he loved me that much. And I stood up so proud in my Buster Browns, and I said it to everybody because I had memorized it. I got it right. And I was so happy. And my parents were so proud of me. And my great aunt, who is critical of the whole entire world, actually looked at me and said, that wasn't too bad, boy. Gosh, I got it. 
but I didn't get it. I didn't have it because I saw a big God up there that I couldn't get close to, and he loved a big world out there that was scary to me. And you know what? Even after I grew up, I still felt that way. I didn't have it. And I think there's others that feel that way. I think that's what Job felt when he said, hey, I need a bondsman. I'm down here. I'm, I'm broken. I've lost so much. I, I, I want to be close to this God who's up there, but I'm not close. I need a bondsman. I need a middleman. And then God sent Jesus to connect the Father and you and bring you together through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the powerful piece of the message. It's sudden. So, so, yeah, God loves the world, but I don't think it's a God so loved a big world and he had a great love. No, I believe God so loved in that he's saying God loved the world this way. He loved the world in that he sent his son and lifted him up just as the serpent was lifted up in the desert. And there, on a pole, if you will, on a cross, he died. He was crucified so that you could be healed, so that you and I could be saved. And there we find everything. And so you bring your good works. You bring your birthright. You bring your training. You bring your accomplishments, but you lay them at the foot of Jesus and you say, I can't do this. It's not in me. And so I come to you because I need you. I need to be born of the Spirit. I need the birth that is out of heaven, for I understand that, that God loved the world in this very, very particular way. And so I declare to you today, Jesus came into the world, all right, and he became the expression of the Father's love for the world. He came to save sinners who would believe in him like you and like, like me. And those, I'm going to tell you, those who do not receive Christ as God's only way of salvation, Jesus says it himself, there is a judgment upon them. And when Jesus comes again, a judgment will be meted out. It, it will be given. And we don't like that part of the story. We want to stay over here and say, oh, he's such a big God with such a big love and he loves the whole world. He does, but he loves you enough to not let you stay where you are and in the mess you're in and, and go to hell. And so he sent his son to be lifted up so that you and I could be redeemed. And the key is your response to that. And will you continue to live in darkness? Will you continue to come in the dark hour of the night and just try to evaluate or debate or argue with the truth of this Jesus who is calling you to a place of repentance and obedience and loyalty to him? Or will you come out of darkness and let the light shine on your life so that all of this other stuff pales in comparison and the confession is, I cannot do for myself, Lord, what you have already done for me. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. And see, those who practice the truth do not fear the darkness because we live in the light. 
and the light reveals the righteousness of men. But we're not afraid of that revelation because we live in the tree of life. And for you and I, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, born of the Spirit, in Christ, we live without guilt, without shame, without condemnation because we belong to the light. So don't do the works of darkness. Don't do the works of flesh and continue to believe that in the shadows you will survive in some way because you cannot. You can only be saved in the light of Jesus Christ. Friends, it's good news. We, the, the work is accomplished. Uh, our, our salvation is assured, is real. Uh, we are, are saved by, by grace through faith in Christ. Not anything that we've done. Uh, and today, if, if, if maybe, maybe it's hit on your heart from from a long time ago, or maybe there's been some, some shift along the way in, in your walk with Jesus, um, but where, where you found yourself at a place of, of striving for, for salvation, of, of, of working for righteousness and redemption and life, of, of being good enough of doing the right things, of saying the right things, of going to the right places, of being around the right people. Uh, if you found yourself looking to parents, to siblings, to spouses, to children for your salvation, if you found yourself looking to your, your job, your career, your, that next promotion, the, the, the paycheck, the security for your salvation. Gosh, if you found yourself looking to yourself and your strength and your power, your wisdom for your salvation... You don't have to. Praise the Lord that the, you don't have to, that we don't have to. Because Christ has accomplished that for us. He has given us our salvation. He has given us life. And so today, if you find yourself in a place of coming to that realization again, um, we're going to invite you forward to receive prayer, um, to bear your heart, to bear your soul, um, to even just be and to be prayed over, and to be in community. Um, so if you would pray with me, and, and then we will uh, have the prayer team up front, uh, and you can exit in silence. Jesus, thank you that you are our Savior, and that there is nothing in this world, nothing created, not ourselves, not others, that saves us, but only you. Spirit, thank you that you do a work in us. Do a work in us this morning. God, remind us, renew us, a light upon our hearts. 
that we are saved by grace through faith and nothing else. That you, Jesus, Son of the Father, you save us. God, we thank you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.